The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you a CEO or ready to become one? Have we got an hour for you. Welcome to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. We're ready to set you up for success. Your reputation with shareholders and clients is important, but standing apart from your competitors is also essential to your success. We'll help you do both. Now, here is your host, Pam Lassiter. Welcome to the CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. I'm your host, Pam Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're here with us today in the go-to place for honing the right skills to become a CEO and to stay there as a strategic competitive leader. You can email me at info at ceoacademywithpam.com. You can connect with me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lassiter Consulting or follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn at Pam Lassiter. Our guest who is honing our cyber risk management skills today is Maria Kuzma, co-founder and partner at AGC Partners, which is America's growth capital doing business as AGC Partners and head of the IT security sector for this global boutique investment firm. Did I get it right? Investment bank. (laughs) Investment bank. Okay, thank you. Make sure you find her at agcpartners.com. On LinkedIn and in the little box on LinkedIn, just type Americas, that's apostrophe S, dash growth, dash capital, or facebook.com slash AGC Partners. Maria, thank you for coming. I'm so glad I got you here. Thank you. I wanted to plunge into a couple of points about your background that I think the listeners would really appreciate. That I'd like to highlight some. Do I understand correctly you were invited by the country of Australia to help them develop protocols for their use in cybersecurity? Well, and first of all, Pam, thank you for having me here. It's a delight to be with you. Um, I was invited as part of a delegation um, that the Security Innovation Network, a group led by Robert Rodriguez, um, uh, was called upon to help the Australian government and academic and industrial community build a cyber ecosystem so that they could, on a national basis, improve their cyber resiliency. And so you went over there to help coach them and advise them about the infrastructure. My role in particular was to help um, them to understand the importance of startups um, and the innovation that startups bring to the technologies that assist in providing those cyber protection and detection mechanisms. And in order to to have startups, you need to have a risk-taking culture, you need to support innovators, Mm -hmm. and you need to have organizations that are going to be willing to try and buy their products, all of which is a little bit more foreign to the Australian economy than it is to our own. It is, but that's a separate subject unto itself, the tension between the risk-taking we're used to and the 
uh, incursions into the system now, regulations. So we'll talk about that one later, too. But that would have been fun. And then you also worked with the Naval War College on their cybersecurity protocols? Well, I was actually invited um, to participate in a Naval War College roundtable discussion. It was a four-hour closed-door session. The topic was actually defending our federal networks. Wow, that's a... (laughs) Did you take care of that in four hours? (laughs) We had some good ideas. Yeah, well, that's super. I hope they put them into practice, too. This is heavy stuff that Maria is doing, folks. And if Maria can take care of a country and the U.S. Navy, you're in good hands. So... Let's pick our brains for what can happen with our companies now and with the IT risk. Today, we're going to talk about the CEO's role in cyber risk to the enterprise. Not too long ago, a CEO told me, I don't really need to worry about cyber risk. My IT department is on top of that. Did you used to hear that? I hear that pretty frequently still. still. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I was just going to ask if we still feel that way because I'm so far removed but from thinking that just one department can do it all by themselves. It's really enterprise-wide now. From the DIN, D-Y-N, the company in New Hampshire, uh, malware attack last October that crashed over 60 businesses from Airbnb to Zillow to the Bank of Bangladesh being robbed through global payments network, through SWIFT, to the cyber attacks targeting small businesses growing by 25% in four years. It's getting bad out there. So this is no longer just an IT network or IT department responsibility. Today we're going to focus on the risk to your company that you as CEO can plan for and strategize about rather than for the individual hacks in our personal lives, as tempting as those might be to talk about. But the two often overlap and probably will continue to more so, but we're going to head for the corporate. Maria, you break down the areas that CEOs need to think about for their IT risk management strategy so clearly. She had clarity of thinking from the get-go, which is impressive. Where would you recommend that our listeners start thinking? I think the first place to start is in looking at their information technology hygiene. And by that I mean um, often more than 80% of cyber attacks can be thwarted just by configuring your systems properly. You know, by ensuring that they're patched, by ensuring that um, passwords um, are routinely um, rotated and that they're strong enough. And of course, behind all that, you know, is the human factor. And so one part of hygiene is ensuring that your employees are well-trained and really professionally trained. So they can spot things like phishing emails, um, attempts to to get them to share their passwords, you know, or to otherwise uh, compromise the integrity of their workplace. This is a bigger deal than it sounds like, employee training, because it keeps needing to be done and repeated because things change, right? Things do change. And, you know, cyber criminals get uh, more and more clever all the time. Um, phishing has advanced to now what is um, called spear phishing, mm-hmm. where very sophisticated targeted emails will be sent to individuals 
using information they may glean about that individual through social networks, you know, or other information sources. Mm -hmm. So it really feels like this is a personal email written for me, which reduces, you know, someone's concern that if I click on this, something bad will happen. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what that perpetrator wants to make happen. And so it's important to train your workforces, even your very high-level workforces who are most likely going to be targeted with those phishing emails, Mm -hmm. you know, to recognize them, you know, and to not click on them. Which is more dangerous than I realized. I was just doing some research and 91% of emails that have some sort of phishing attached are the main source of malware and uh, viruses getting into companies? Email compromises are a major threat vector. You know, others are going to websites, right? They're what may have malware embedded in them. Mm. Sometimes they're imposter websites that look like the websites you're familiar with, only to find that, you know, it's a, uh, a it's a fake and mm. harboring some ill intent. So, well, let me just define phishing for the group too. Tell phishing is an email that phishing is an email we've probably all seen them from you know african princes looking to give away their fortunes you know to other types of of spam that clearly can be identified as you know blast emails those weren't my relatives individuals i I thought those were cousins (laughs) but but spear phishing right where there's a tip on that Mm -hmm. right is a malicious email often carrying you know a malware payload Mm -hmm. that is designed to look like it's a um a legitimate message Mm -hmm. from a legitimate party and we've seen for example cfos wire funds you know to um fake accounts or to the wrong accounts right thinking that they saw a message from the the ceo even cfos will do this too so this is clearly corporate i said we weren't going to talk much about personal but this affects the corporation because it's coming into a corporate computer too and then they're unleashed once the emails or attachments are open or whatever so that's insidious but training 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 is that the best way Training and and routine computer hygiene. Yeah. Uh, so that is routine. You heard the word. That's it. Continual too. What do you think about the investment that a company typically makes each year in operating network systems? Are they investing a sufficient amount to keep in front of the training and the? Well, I mean, one risk? way to think about your investment is to understand the value of the assets you're trying to protect, Okay. right? Should yeah. you spend, you know, $10 million, right, to protect something that if it were mm. lost, it would only be 1000 i tell you what I'd like to do. I'd like to get in that as a separate, your second point about the classification, which we're going to take a break shortly. So let's, let's go into that in great depth, too. And that's a... A very profound point, because I don't think companies think about classifying assets differently, too. But just to wrap up on the one about the hygiene, hygiene can cover so many different things. Does that include insurance as well? Uh, Cyber insurance is a separate um, topic in and of itself. It's a relatively new product being underwritten by a number of organizations, you know, to help um, enterprises 
um, enhance their cyber risk posture by um, uh, buying insurance for against data breaches or other incursions that would result in um, loss of intellectual property um, or other types of significant information and, and assets that may mm. put the company's brand um, yeah. and, um, which, and, and product at risk. Which is a big deal and how to ensure for that. Let's touch on in the next segment then when we talk about the classifications too. Um, do you recommend that organizations as part of their hygiene stay in touch or be members of broader groups outside of just their company to stay in front of what's happening and to keep abreast themselves? Absolutely. You know, very frequently um, hackers and other um, you know, uh, uh, cyber criminals will target specific verticals whether it's healthcare organizations to mm. get um, patient records, you know, or banks, right, to compromise um, depositors' accounts. And so frequently, you'll be subject to the same sorts of attacks using the same techniques and practices. So by sharing information about how to protect yourself or what you're seeing mm-hmm. in even real time can be very valuable. So it's important that um, those responsible for cyber resiliency within their organizations reach out to colleagues in like-positioned companies, whether Mm -hmm. they're retailers, health maintenance organizations, um, financial institutions, technology companies, because you'll find that they will encounter similar risk profiles. That's Staying connected becomes part of it. I just hope the hackers aren't joining the professional groups as well. Oh, a whole new source of ideas here. (laughs) About staying connected to others and continuing their training is critical. And that speaks to budget and time and staffing, too, that they can get out to uh, meet the people and get the ideas, too. We're coming on a break now. In just a minute, we're going to be talking about crown jewels. What crown jewels do you have in your IT enterprise risk management? In three minutes, we're going to hear Maria Kuzma's sparkling, highly valuable, and rare answers. Talk to you shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Lassiter Consulting works privately with senior-level professionals who want a trusted advisor to co-create paths to reach the career outcomes you seek. You can improve your work success in your current company, choose them for outplacement or career change, or explore retirement. Lassiter also works with corporations that are going through change. You may be discreetly transitioning a senior executive out of the company or growing yourself for increased productivity. Put Lassiter Consulting to work for you today. Visit LassiterConsulting.com. Pam Lassiter has written The New Job Security, which details the five best strategies for taking control of your career. It's a Wall Street Journal Award winner. Take control of your career by learning how to use target markets and their challenges to your advantage. The book will dramatically change your resume, your communications, and your financial results. You can find the book on Amazon, including Kindle, or by visiting LassiterConsulting.com. That's LassiterConsulting.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. To reach the show, send an email with questions or comments to info at ceoacademywithpam.com. That's info at ceoacademywithpam.com. Now, back to this week's program. We're talking to Maria Kuzma from AGC Partners about the CEO's role in cyber risk to the enterprise, a critical topic. We're moving to the second point that CEOs should consider that Maria identified about IT risk management strategies. Maria, want to tell us about after hygiene, where do we go next? We think the um, most important um, thing to think about as you look to deploy resources to protect your assets is to understand the value of those assets and to classify them appropriately so that you know where your crown jewels are. Where's the intellectual property that represents the secret sauce to your technology platform, you know, or the formula for your drugs or, um, you know, or, or favorite soda, right? Those are the, the assets that if compromised could truly compromise the value, if not the um, uh, you know the the, the stability the and the worth of the mm-hmm. of the company, mm-hmm. right? So you need to understand where they are and to protect them appropriately. So asset classification, data classification, understanding your placement of your most um, prized assets should drive your cyber protection strategies. So you want to ensure that those assets you know, are, are really put into that secure um, vault, right? Yeah. They're going to go into Fort Knox mm-hmm. in a virtual sense. Mm-hmm. And being able to track who has access to them, audit that access, um, provide layers of defense around those solutions, you know, will ensure that investment correlates to the value of the assets that, that it's looking uh, to be protected. Okay. Is it clear that if I just paid more, that something really could be protected definitely without violation? You know, very few, if any, <laughs> uh, cybersecurity vendors are going to promise you 100% protection, mm-hmm. in part because we're such an interconnected system mm-hmm. that your protection is really limited to that weakest link. But you will be able to provide layers or rings of protection around your most important assets. And there are plenty of ways for you to um, formidably reduce the risk of cyber compromise to those assets. Okay. So there, that's something you talk to your IT person or your consultant about to develop those rings that you can have the less valuable part protected differently. Correct. Than the Fort Knox. 
part of that is really a strategic conversation you have maybe with your board about what the highest risk, most valuable parts are. Well, with you, with your board, um, with uh, executives, really across the the enterprise, mm-hmm. right? In understanding what is crucial to keep the business running, mm-hmm. um, what's crucial in terms of um, an ability to retain connection to, mm-hmm. right? Keeping the business up and running. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I manage that uptime? What happens if somebody pulls the plug and I'm without access to my communications and my internet, you know, and my data networks and my storage for any period it's of time. It's just interruption. That's right? what happened with DIM, too. That's right. Yeah, that, that takes insurance, too. How sophisticated is insurance now? for The insurance care? market is actually growing quite sophisticated. There are many um, highly reputable providers of cyber insurance um, that can help rate your cyber risk oh really um and, you know and and you can you know purchase policies according to the the level of protection um that you deem necessary in uh your vertical or mm-hmm. the geographic area in which you're participating in um and recognize that though this is still a relatively new mm-hmm. um line of business and you know and and like many insurance policies right they're not going to cover everything um, and, you know, they're going to be looking for um, uh, compromises that, you know, may not be covered, right, in the event of, of a breach. So you can't just buy an insurance policy That'll and then, cover. You, you know, and then not be prudent about how you provide for the cybersecurity of your assets, information, mm-hmm. and communications. I'm just thinking about the million users that were stolen from Yahoo and how you could, I don't know if you could begin to ensure something like that. What's the potential for uh, misuse of all of that data? Because that number could be beyond reason for insuring. So you just have to, that's where you work with your department, your board to decide how much should we, what are we willing to insure at what cost? And put all your rings around those <laughs> the, the fortress of protection I have a feeling do you remember it, I think it was around 2009 when Domino's Pizza lost about 10% of the value of the company in one day because of employees posting some YouTube videos about how they were doing foul things to the food The it's a beautiful case now and how they did eventually get out of the hole so that's worth reading if you haven't heard about it yet but what they didn't have covered, there probably wasn't insurance coverage to protect reputation back then. Is there now? I think the brand equity um, or reputation, um, as reflected in the uh, decline of you know Domino's, Home Depot, Target, right mm-hmm. in the events of, of those breaches, you know, um, is something that is partially uh, insurable. Um, because the breach of um, those entities, right, and the risk um, mm-hmm. to the brand um, from customers not wow. returning um, or customers mm-hmm. on credit being um, compromised, you know, can be part of that package, right? But again, that doesn't absolve the organization from having in place the protective mechanisms necessary 
um, to thwart those kinds mm-hmm. of breaches. And so insurance is only going to get you so far, and it will not be nearly far enough if you are not um, putting in place the appropriate defenses and detective mm-hmm. mechanisms, you know, that you know are, are, are state-of-the-art and available from any number of innovative vendors today. So put the measures in, but having to... Val- evaluation on reputation or brand that's I can see lots of negotiations around that one later so hopefully that can be avoided um, I want to start on your third point and well we've got 30 seconds left so let me ask you one piece of that to start getting it set up you've done a lot of acquisitions correct in your business my role is as an investment banker to advise enterprises, typically startups, Mm -hmm. um, in their merger and acquisitions discussions. So often we will represent startups um, in their sale to um, larger strategics or financial uh, partners. Okay, so as a result of that, that's actually another piece of what we're going to talk about next. Do you want to introduce the third point that you uh, were well, I think that the sure. third point that we talked about was what I would characterize as the extended enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I alluded earlier to how you may only be as secure as your weakest link. Mm-hmm. And if you think about how globally interconnected organizations are today, whether they are in digital businesses or not, mm-hmm. um, each of those actors contractors, suppliers, customers, business partners that has access to your extended enterprise or even remote employees, Mm -hmm. traveling employees, employees coming in from home. That's all part of the environment Mm -hmm. that you need to protect in order to um, ensure your cyber resiliency. So if I'm, my headquarters is say in New York and I'm working in Japan, I can be on my laptop, but the fact that I'm accessing the cloud or the data back in New York, that puts the whole company at risk then? Correct. Think about if you were in China, right? Oh, well. And <laughs> That's why people there throw away their stuff. Or yeah. even in a Starbucks in Manhattan. Oh, easily. Right? Mm-hmm. Where somebody is, you, mm-hmm. you know, picking up um, those airwaves of insecure um, mm-hmm. Wi-Fi networks. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots of points of compromise. But those points of compromise can also be someone using a contractor's legitimate credentials, mm-hmm. like occurred in the HVAC contractor that was working for Target. That's those, where that started? Those credentials were compromised and led to the data breach you know, that resulted in a significant brand equity loss and a CEO job change oh, um, yeah. at Target. Yeah. That was a legitimate contractor, though? It was, it was a legitimate contractor's credential. Creden- but not the legitimate contractor. Ed Snowden was a legitimate contractor for Biz Allen. That's right. When he first went to work for NSA, too, so they can be legitimate. That's right. As well. But had the NSA had systems in place to monitor okay. whether or not mm-hmm. that access to those assets should have been afforded someone of that job classification. Perfect. Right? Okay. Would have helped, right, to, mm-hmm. to identify 
right, that the data compromise was underway. Okay. CEOs, are you hearing some questions to be asking your staffs now? <laughs> what This should have been setting off bells. Absolutely. That the fact he was going after some of the data where he didn't belong and nobody had a clue. Okay, that's uh, kind of scary. There are other parts about the extended enterprise I'd like to go into in just a minute, but let me tell you what I'm hoping you will do over the break first. I have an article on my LinkedIn page about the five principles that the National Association of Corporate Directors recommends for cybersecurity oversight for directors of companies. If you take a look at that, not only are these five principles directly applicable to CEOs, you'll also see how you can frame the conversations with your board so they'll understand and be motivated too. They have, their risks, the risks they have, are very similar to the ones that the CEOs have, wouldn't you? agree so check that out on linkedin if you can over break and we'll see you in three minutes voice america business network the bottom line in business pam lassiter has written the new job security which details the five best strategies for taking control of your career it's a wall street journal award winner Take control of your career by learning how to use target markets and their challenges to your advantage. The book will dramatically change your resume, your communications, and your financial results. You can find the book on Amazon, including Kindle, or by visiting LassiterConsulting.com. That's LassiterConsulting.com. Lassiter Consulting works privately with senior-level professionals who want a trusted advisor to co-create paths to reach the career outcomes you seek. You can improve your work success in your current company, choose them for outplacement or career change, or explore retirement. Lassiter also works with corporations that are going through change. You may be discreetly transitioning a senior executive out of the company or growing yourself for increased productivity. Put Lassiter Consulting to work for you today. Visit LassiterConsulting.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. To reach the show, send an email with questions or comments to info at ceoacademywithpam.com. That's info at ceoacademywithpam.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back from break. I hope you got a chance to see the five principles of cybersecurity oversight for boards from the National Association of Corporate Directors on my LinkedIn page. And you can see how they relate and pair well with what your principles for oversight are too as CEO. We're talking to Maria Kuzma, partner and head of the IT security practice at AGC Partners, 
about evaluating the risk of the extended enterprise. And Maria's already covered about we're as secure as our least secure partner. That can be, you'd mentioned contractors for sure, but that can be clients on occasion too. It can be clients, right? Particularly if clients, um, you know, have access, say, to SharePoint or um, mm-hmm. data stores that the, um, you know, that the company has made available, depending on what kind of services they have. Mm-hmm. You know, more likely it's going to be, you know, a contractor or a business partner, you mm-hmm. know, than a customer. Um, but clearly, we care about customers' accounts when we're in a retail or financial services industry. <laughs> like banks, right? for example. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it is plausible, right, that a hacker, right, coming in through a customer account or impersonating, mm-hmm. right, a high net worth customer, say, in a brokerage firm, right, could mm-hmm. certainly lead to substantial compromise. In fact, there were examples of clientless stolen right, from um, Mm -hmm. high net worth money management organizations or hedge funds, right, via, um, you know, uh, an account that had come in through a a customer interaction. Yeah, so no telling where those will turn up in the future, too. So I I think it was the Bangladesh Bank that actually had accounts drawn, individual accounts drawn down. So that is a totally invasive uh, information they had across the company, so it's speaking some overlapping not clear uh, extended enterprise but they could be or they will be the judicial system <laughs> the laws that are regulating cybersecurity and privacy typically laws will lag effective laws will lag technology when technology is taking leaps forward Where do you find legislation and regulation? Well, we're going to get to regulation in the next segment, too. But legislation and uh, the knowledge of the sophistication of the judiciary now on decisions. Well, legislation in cyber is very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you you have a problem of externalities, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, in other words, the person that or the organization that bears the cost, right, of providing a protective mechanism mm-hmm. isn't the uh, person or organization that that bears the benefit of that protection, right? You've mentioned the Dyn attack a couple of times, which, as you know, was orchestrated via a botnet that compromised things like, you know, DVRs, mm-hmm. right? Well, a DVR manufacturer wants to make a good DVR, right, that delivers a quality you know, and performance for a reasonable cost. Mm-hmm. It is not in that manufacturer's professional interest to spend money on security mechanisms to keep that DVR from being hijacked. Great point. Right? Yet, you know, the consequences mm-hmm. of, of that hijacking, right, mm-hmm. as you've pointed out, were to take down a substantial portion of the Internet on the East Coast for a significant period of time, mm-hmm. you know, costing organizations tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of, you know, lost um, business, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and, and other havoc. So... Part of the the question that many in the cyber community have with respect to the role of government is should there be a requirement for, say, software liability where, 
mm-hmm. you know, a, a software publisher, you know, or a consumer or enterprise products manufacturer takes some responsibility mm-hmm. for the integrity of that device or that code to ensure that it is, you know, um, uh, less hackable. What, why wouldn't that be a good idea? Unless I'm asking the manufacturer of the refrigerator or the video the video recorder or the baby cam or whatever it may be. Well, it's hard for any one nation, for example, mm-hmm. to impose a universal requirement because a lot of those systems are not manufactured here. Um, you could uh, okay. perhaps have a requirement that in order for them to be utilized here or imported, mm-hmm. but again, My cars. You know, mm-hmm. bits don't know any boundaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. So that also wouldn't keep, you know, um, misconfigured um, or, uh, you know, unconforming equipment. Mm-hmm. you know, say, in Eastern Europe from targeting websites in, in the U.S. quite successfully. Yeah. So it's difficult. And, and you also have no retrofit capabilities. So any improvement we got via, um, y- you know, the uh, imposition of regulation of that mm-hmm. sort would only be forward-looking. And, you know, a lot of the equipment that's out there, whether we're talking about yeah. in the electric grid, Mm-hmm. Right? Or, um, you, you, you know, uh, utilities of, of other sorts or our homes and offices isn't going to be replaced anytime soon. And it's uh, more vulnerable and it's a giant ball of wax is what I'm just learning. <laughs> so it's not going to get fixed anytime soon. Bits don't know boundaries. I wrote down that mm-hmm. line. What a great line. <laughs> That's a, a asset and a liability too. I want to wrap up on the, that third point about uh, evaluating the risk of your extended enterprise and move into Maria's fourth point. Would you like to share that with us about the compliance? Well, we kind of touched on it um, just a moment ago mm-hmm. in talking about regulation. Mm-hmm. And that point is not to confuse compliance with the regulations that are relevant to your industry with security. Mm-hmm. Because, for example, in the breaches that Target and Home Depot suffered, they were each found to be compliant with PCI, which is the Payment Card Industry Association's um, requirement that uh, for the handling of customer credit card data. Mm-hmm. But they were breached nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Again, because in the in the Target cases we learned, or the Home Depot case, you know, they were legitimate credentials that were compromised, you know, by an unlawful user. Okay. So compliance and security are often two very different things. And we can sometimes feel complacent, mm-hmm. you know, if we're, you know, if we're getting all of those right check marks from our auditors, you know, but not yet in any sense, you know, be truly secure. Okay, that was the audit list you were talking about when we were talking earlier, because that's something they'll have a fairly low bar in assessing how secure your operations are. Audits um, can have fairly low bars, and audits are also a point in time. Mm, Good point. So things can change. 
they mm. certainly can. And in a dynamic area like information technology and cybersecurity, they change readily. Within the year, between your audits, to the well, much more sophisticated. The you mentioned earlier, you were talking about the Internet of Things, IoT. Or if you talk to GE, you'll hear about IIoT with the industrial. And I don't hear that term quite as much. Uh, but do you see, given you were talking about the refrigerator person isn't going to want to pay to put uh, extra expense into protection. Do you see us heading in a dangerous direction with everything being connected unless we change either regulations or... I think we we are in a very dangerous place Um, because if you think about that extended enterprise today, Mm -hmm. um, and that's largely limited to uh, people on phones and Mm -hmm. other, you know, computing devices... You know, that's going to change as we get to smart cities with mm-hmm. traffic lights and True. roads and um, mm-hmm. cars and Good tolling point. systems, right? Think about the havoc that can be run, Yeah. right? If we begin to tinker with those systems, mm-hmm. you know, while cars are moving. So government regulations may be increasing Regardless, let's just hope. I think there is a safety requirement that government's going to have to address, and and it's not just in obvious areas like medical devices and and cars. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's going to be in areas like the ability to compromise routinely connected systems, whether they're refrigerators or vending machines. You know, such that the combined force of that computing power doesn't target other vulnerable systems. I can see Las Vegas now. <laughs> this could be havoc in many ways, too. Uh, so the Internet of Things needs a lot more thought before the manufacturers plunge boldly into this frontier. <laughs> okay, that, that makes sense. Too. Uh, what I would like to introduce, because we've got so many topics and we will have a finite amount of time, is... On an additional question that kind of overlays these four categories, the boards, they need to keep themselves up to date in cyber risk, as do CEOs. Do you find this happening? Absolutely. You know, there's a general improvement in cyber awareness. Uh, Let's face Uh, it, right? There's a cyber story in the news Every, Every day, day probably. Right? Whether yeah. it's nation state hacking, you know, or activity from, you know, China or North Korea, or it's a data breach mm-hmm. like those we've talked about from Yahoo and Home Depot, mm-hmm. you know, or it could be, um, you know, a, a cyber prank, right, that someone set off in, um, you know, remote controlling a Jeep, right, to prove it could be done, mm-hmm. right? Um, that kind of awareness, that that activity in the news daily captures people's attention. So cyber security is a board topic at organizations large and small at almost every meeting. Now, whether they're prepared to address that topic, right, in a meaningful way varies widely, you mm-hmm. know, by organization size and, and also just by the 
um, their hi- historical temperament to, um, to to dealing with cyber like which industry too well on that bright thought we're going to move towards the break we'll talk about how they can get educated and stay on top of things too briefly when we come back why don't we continue that thought so we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to be sim- summarizing the ideas tips and tactics that you can walk away with today and then we're going to uh, do the wrap on what we touched on in our program see you in three when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network Lassiter Consulting works privately with senior-level professionals who want a trusted advisor to co-create paths to reach the career outcomes you seek. You can improve your work success in your current company, choose them for outplacement or career change, or explore retirement. Lassiter also works with corporations that are going through change. You may be discreetly transitioning a senior executive out of the company or growing yourself for increased productivity. Put Lassiter Consulting to work for you today. Visit LassiterConsulting.com. Pam Lassiter has written The New Job Security, which details the five best strategies for taking control of your career. It's a Wall Street Journal Award winner. Take control of your career by learning how to use target markets and their challenges to your advantage. The book will dramatically change your resume, your communications, and your financial results. You can find the book on Amazon, including Kindle, or by visiting LassiterConsulting.com. That's LassiterConsulting.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. To reach the show, send an email with questions or comments to info at ceoacademywithpam.com. That's info at ceoacademywithpam.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back from break for our last segment. I'm going to ask, Maria, a couple of big picture questions, and then we're going to summarize and get some action steps for you for how you can start thinking about this and developing your own checklist for cybersecurity. I was asking Maria about where is this heading? In three or four years, let's envision that you're talking to your board about cybersecurity and helping educate them about how they should be thinking. What are they going to be saying differently than what we're saying now? I think in three to four years, the topics that we've been talking about are still going to be relevant, right? right? You're still going to need um, to have strong um, IT hygiene and effective constituent training. You're still going to need to understand where your most important assets are and protect them accordingly. But the thing that's going to get even broader, right, is that extended enterprise. Mm. Think about the implications of outsourcing. Mm. One of the things that the digitization of 
so much of our economy and so much functionality permits is for each organization to really specialize in what they do best, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, manufacturers don't want to be running their IT anymore. They don't want to be running their communications networks, right? They don't want to be handling in many instances, right, their their own supply chains, Mm -hmm. right? So how do I know where those crown jewels are today, right? They may be at a cloud hoster who outsourced some aspect of of that, or they could be in a container, right, that's virtualized and moving around. So there's going to be a need to much better understand security as it relates to cloud computing, mm-hmm. right, and, and its twin, which is mobilization, right, because we access the cloud through mobile devices. So that phenomenon um, is only going to accelerate. And the other phenomenon that's accelerating is the one we touched on with respect to IoT and IIoT. Okay. Right? Because whether they are sensors, data collectors, you know, or other elements, you know, delivering mm-hmm. that digital economy value, they're also likely to be part of that extended enterprise. And even organizations who are not media or digitally centric, right, are going to find that more of their networks um, need to interact, right, with these sensors and and bots. So the idea of having any sort of perimeter at which I can say this is mine and this is yours and I can protect it. Doesn't exist. It already doesn't exist today, but it is going to become more Swiss cheese-like in the future as, you know, as many of our assets, you know, are held by business partners, um, you know, and other organizations with whom we contract. That's a great point. I love the Swiss cheese-like future <laughs> that we have, too. I have a feeling we think that because our data is in a cloud, that that sounds somehow magical and safe and don't really think about where that's heading either. What does a cloud mean? And that's going to get broken down in the future, I bet, too. We know where our beef comes from. It was grown in this pasture. We're probably going to know where our cloud and data centers are in the future in multiple places and they keep moving. <laughs> that's going to get complicated, too. Okay, let's, uh, there was, I've got to ask you one other question. How do you keep your passwords? <laughs> do you keep them electronically? Or? Usually using a password vault or do manager okay. is, is a great idea because I don't think uh, mere mortals can mm. memorize the, the oh, number no. of passwords and the sophistication necessary, no. you know, to, um, you know, to ensure that, that we've got um, strong enough passwords in, in use across the many accounts we all manage. No, but those vaults, the one password vaults, et cetera, are more secure. I still have mine on paper because I think that may be more secure, but then I don't have the paper. <laughs> so that's a, a catch-22. Okay, I'd, I'd like to get to the immediate next steps for our listeners, too. That if you had a couple of things you could tell people start today, think about today, do today to improve your cybersecurity risk management. What would you tell them? I think I'd encourage a CEO to think about their cyber controls as needing to be on par with their financial or accounting controls. So if you are concerned about your financial or accounting controls today, what would you do? 
Mm-hmm. Right? You'd probably perform an audit. You'd go talk to your audit committee. Mm-hmm. You'd understand the risks that that audit revealed. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you would begin to take action prioritizing the most severe of those risks, right? And working your way down until you felt comfortable that you could sign off, right, on that financial control statement that's required by the the SEC or whomever. So start treating it like pure financial. Great point. That sounds simple. (laughs) Bigger deal. Let me give you a big picture of where we went, the four categories, and then you can hear Maria's Uh, interview multiple times. You can download it and continue listening to it, too. She talked about the hygiene of the basic systems you have in place. And if I don't say this to your liking, please interrupt any of this or or to correct it. Uh, Data asset and classification. Evaluating the risk of the extended enterprise. And compliance isn't necessarily secure enough. So keep going even after the audit list is checked off. Is that correct? Yes, that, that's correct because your audit really won't cover, you know, all the sources of potential compromise. So it's an ongoing challenge then, but that aligns perfectly with the list for the directors that you can see on LinkedIn. So I want to wrap up and thank you for joining us today. It was great to have all of you here to work on the CEO's role in cyber risk to the enterprise. It does take a team, doesn't it? Today, our guest was Maria Kuzmal, co-founder and partner of America's Growth Capital, AGC Partners, and head of its IT security sector. Thank you. Thank you, Great Pam. thoughts, it's too. Great I really here. enjoyed hearing the insights. You can find her at agcpartners.com, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And you can find me at, on my website, lassiterconsulting.com, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and uh, email me. We'll, I'm your host, Pam Lasseter, and we'll talk to you next week on the CEO Academy with Pam Lasseter about social media for CEOs and 140 characters. Thank you for joining us. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to join us for another edition of CEO Academy with Pam Lasseter next Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week for more tips from the professionals as you grow your career and your company to the top. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.